off in verse 13. And so I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter and we'll go back and um, set the context and work our way through our passage this morning. Here's what God's Word says, the Apostle Paul writing along with Silas and Timothy. And here's what it says, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have have persecuted us, and they do not please God, and are contrary to all men." forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire." Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And so I just want to remind us where we came from as we're working our way through chapter two. Um, The Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey, you guys remember this, second missionary journey, Acts chapter 17, came to Thessalonica along with Silas and Timothy, and they shared the word of God for three Sabbaths. Um, They were there about three weeks, maybe four weeks, In any event, many people got saved. They got radically born again, changed lives, changed eternities as they were sharing the word of God. A beautiful work of God's spirit began there in Thessalonica. However, there were some people that weren't too happy about that. In fact, not only were there Jews there that were not happy, but also some Gentiles that were ticked off also. And so what happened to Paul and his crew They got run out of town. They ended up going southbound. They hit Berea, eventually went to Athens, and then to Corinth. And the area or region that we're talking about is in modern-day Greece. You can see that in your map in the back of your Bible. You can check out the area we're talking about. And so Paul, after the time he had spent there with these precious people, in fact, he has such a heart for people. Uh, He loves these people so much. He is desiring to get back there to see how they're doing and to see how their faith is, to see if they're, they're growing and thriving under the persecution that is happening to the church. So eventually, the Apostle Paul sends Timothy back to get a report. And Timothy comes back and says, man, they are rocking. They're growing in their faith and in their love. And so Paul is excited as he's writing this letter to them. And remember where we came from from last week. Paul's reminding them of what it was like when he came to Thessalonica, how he behaved, what he shared, and uh, a beautiful passage for all of us, really, not just those involved in ministry, but anyone that wants to be an example, that wants to be a good role model, anybody, which should be all of us, that wants to walk worthy of God, who's called us into his kingdom and into his glory. And that's where we ended last week, and now Paul reminds them of what happened when he shared the word of God. Let's look at verse 13. Um, This is an easy verse just to kind of read and pass through, but it is so packed. Um, It's an amazing, for me, it's one of the most amazing verses to consider. They're all amazing, aren't they? (laughs) He says, for this reason, what reason? Because they received the word of God. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. 
And so Paul began this letter, if you go all the way back to verse 2 of chapter 1, he began with telling the church that he thanks God over and over and over for them. And as Paul is in prayer with Silas and Timothy, as the Thessalonians come around the, come around the table, let's pray for the church at Thessalonica. All right, thank you, Lord, for how we, when we came to that city, they received the word of God. They welcomed it. And you did an awesome work by your spirit in their lives. They simply believed and Lord, you changed their lives. They were super thankful. Do you know that I am super thankful for this church here? You guys receive the word of God. You welcome it. You put your faith and trust in it. And you believe it is God's word. It's not just my word. It is the word of God that we go through week after week, month after month, year after year. And that's what Paul did. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, check it out later. Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul was giving like a little pastor's leaders conference to the Ephesian elders at the beach of Miletus. And he said to them, listen, when I was with you, I did not shun to declare to you the entire counsel of God's word. And listen, any pastor, any minister worth their salt should be a person that says, I'm going to teach you the entire counsel of God's word, every bit of it from Genesis to Revelation. We need the entire counsel, guys, don't we? Amen to that. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And I realize some weeks it's tough, isn't it, some of the things we go through? No? That's just a couple of you? Some weeks it's like, man, I can't, like, we're going through the, the prophets in the Old Testament right now, Wednesday nights, and some of it's so, like, the judgment is so redundant. It's like, oh, man. They're getting warned again and again and again. And the problem is we need to hear it again and again and again <laughs> because we, we forget the things we should remember and remember the things we should forget. And so Paul is like, we came, we shared the word of God, and he says there, you received the word of God, which you heard from us. And I just want to remind us this morning also about the importance of God's word in the church today. The Apostle Paul writing to, to Timothy, um, and, and the context is 2 Timothy, Paul's on death row. Paul's about to, to be beheaded for his faith. He's in that, the Mamertine prison there in Rome. He's on death row. So what do you say, what are your last words, you think his last words would be important? Here are his last words that he's sharing. And he says to this young pastor, Timothy, he says to him, but evil men and imposters, phonies, will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The context is the last days. We are in the last days, and there are more and more people out there that are scam artists, that are deceivers. They are imposters, phonies, and they deceive people. But you, man or woman of God, must, must Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Did y'all catch that? Paul's like, listen, things are going to get worse and worse with people out there, phonies, imposters, false teachers, but you... Listen, you've learned the scriptures from since you were a little guy, since you were a little kid. Your mom and your grandma continued to give you the word of God, a steady diet of God's word. The meat, the potatoes, the spinach, every bit of it is necessary. Correct? And he says, you've been assured of these things, and you know who you've learned them from. And listen, there's very few pastor teachers that I listen to the ones that I do listen to, I know their lives. And a lot of us, I know many of us in the church, um, you like to listen to different teachers, different pastors, different podcasts or whatever. Hallelujah. I'm so stoked you're getting fed God's word. But listen, make sure it's the word of God. Why? There's imposters out there. There's phonies out there. We're going to see in just a moment, As I'm just going to read through this text Listen, the word of God should be the most important influence in your life and in my life. 
You test everything you hear, not only from my mouth, from this pulpit, but what you hear outside of church also. You need to be assured of the truth of God's word and know who you're hearing it from as well. That's what Paul's encouragement is to him. And then he says, all, he goes on to say, all scripture, how much is all? Every bit of it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's all from God. It's the word of God. God spoke through men, inspired them, worked through them to give us 66 books, 40 different authors, well, three different, or three different languages, over 1,600 years of writing, and it all points to Jesus. It's miraculous. All Scripture is inspired, is by inspiration of God, and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. If you're complete, are you lacking anything? Don't let anyone tell you that you need more than the Bible. Because this frees us up not to be slaves to commentaries, by the way. There are some people that are slaves. What does this guy say? What does that guy say? What does so-and-so say? You are complete with the Word of God with your Bible, and not just complete, but he says you're thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you're thoroughly equipped, are you lacking anything? You got everything you need with your sword, with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, right? I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the Word, Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means? No off season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come. Listen, the time is now. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure sound te- that doctrine is teaching. They won't endure sound Bible teaching. We are here. We have arrived. People can't sit for 45 minutes to listen to a Bible study, but you can sit 45 minutes watching MTV or whatever, whatever people watch, and be glued, right? (laughs) Can't endure. But according to their own desires, not not God's desires, according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I cannot tell you in 20 plus years of ministry how many times I've seen this happen. You see people in the community, dude, where are you going? You used to come to our church. Where have you been, dude? What's going on? Well, I'm going here. And you find out where they're going, it's like, they don't even teach the word there. What's the problem? The problem is people can't endure sound doctrine, so they'll go someplace where the pastor, preacher, teacher, or whatever you want to call him, will tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Smooth words. Let's not talk about sin, repentance, wickedness, evil, hell, because it's not seeker-friendly. You know, Jesus wasn't very seeker-friendly. <laughs> if you read some of his sermons, Sermon on the Mount doesn't end very seeker-friendly. <laughs> it's the truth. We need the truth, gang. And if you abandon the truth, like it says here, what are you left with? You're left with lies. And there's plenty of people out there that want to scratch your itch and tickle your ears. You know what I'm saying, gang? We're here right now. This is all around us. And so the Apostle Paul also spoke about in Ephesians chapter 4 to share the truth and love that we would not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that blows through the church. And there are plenty of winds of doctrine that blow through the church. And we've seen it, and it's like blow right on out of here. We have the word of God. It's what we need. How do we receive the word of God? Do you see that they received the word of God? Back in first, I gotta get back to First Thessalonians. <laughs> Chapter two, they received the word of God, they welcomed the word of God. How do we receive the word of God? Is, is it important, let me ask, ask you guys a question. Is it important how we receive the word of God this morning? Are we told anywhere in scripture how to receive the word of God? 
How about in James chapter 1? I'm going to read it real fast. I don't mean to get all technical, but we need, this. we need to hear this. James said, James 1, 21, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Y'all catch that? That's a great practice. Before you read your Bible, before you come to church, Lord, search my heart. Is there any wickedness or filthiness? Is there anything, is there any hidden sin in my life, Lord? Because I want to be able to hear your voice and to receive what you have for me. The exhortation is lay that aside. He's writing to Christians, by the way. Why does he have to say this? Because sometimes we have stuff that's dirty, don't we? <laughs> that we need to confess and repent, to lay aside things that are not helpful in our walk with Jesus Christ. And he says, lay that stuff aside and receive the implanted. It speaks of a seed. The seed, like Jesus said, the seed is the word of God, right? We receive the implanted word, how? With meekness, with humility, with brokenness. Why is that important? Because we can come in pretty proud, can't we, sometimes? Oh, he's teaching that again? I know that already. You're preaching to the choir. Man, the choir needs the word of God. <laughs> we need to hear. Or, or how about this one? I, here's the one I hear. Oh, man, pastor, that, man, that, was, a, that was an epic study, dude. I got to send this to Aunt Sue. <laughs> I need to get the link. This was... The, my husband wasn't here today. That was the message for him. <laughs> Guess who that message is for? Y-O-U. <laughs> it's for you and me. Not for someone else. Receive the implanted word with meekness. Oh, Lord, you're speaking to my heart. The Thessalonians received the word, the word of truth from the Apostle Paul, from Silas, from Timothy, and they received it not as the word of men, but of God. Do you guys understand? This is God's word. In fact, Peter talked about how we receive the word of God. I'm going to read it real quick. 1 Peter chapter 1 and kind of in chapter 2. He speaks about how we've been born again. We've been made alive spiritually. Not of corruptible seed. This is 1 Peter 1, 23. Not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Did y'all catch that? We got born again because of the imperishable seed, the word of God. That tells you how important the word of God is. The word of God which lives and abides. It's living and active. Hebrews chapter four, right? The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. How do we receive the word of God? If the word of God is, is, is part of our birth and part of our growth, how do we receive it? Therefore, laying aside, there it is again, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Did y'all catch that? So there's stuff we lay aside and then we receive the word of God. How? What does it say? Is it up on the scoreboard here? Is it up on the thing? It's not up there. As newborn babes. How do newborn babes desire the pure milk? Can, moms, if you're, if, you're in that, if you're doing that right now, can you tell them time out? I need about a half an hour. I want my milk, and I want it, and I won't stop crying until I get it. And when I get it, straight to the milk coma, wake back up again, and I want more. Correct? I, I was just an innocent bystander for all, the, all that time. So how should we desire the word of God? All the time. Wanting to be nourished. That's how we grow. Not only is that how we get saved and come into the kingdom, 
and get born again. But he says, that's how you grow too. If you're not growing spiritually, let me just challenge you, you're not in the word. And it's not like a personal pep talk in your inbox once a week. It's getting into the word of God and allowing the word of God to get into us, gang. If we want to grow, and if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, that's how it ends right there. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so Paul says to the Thessalonians, you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word cleanses us. The word nourishes us. Are you guys seeing how important the word of God is? James spoke about the word of God being a mirror. Correct? How often do you look in the mirror? Not a trick question. How often, you don't need to yell it out. How often do you look in the mirror? Too much. Thank you. I mean, we got mirrors in our house. We got length mirrors. We got mirrors in our car. When you flip the thing down, it's got, right? Some gals even got the, it's like a little switchblade, but it pops into a mirror. You hit the button, and it's got like a little, right? Because I see women doing it while they're driving. I don't know how you, texting, I thought texting and driving was bad, but... <laughs> But what does a mirror do? A mirror reveals our physical condition, right? The Word of God is the same way. It reveals our spiritual condition. And the Word of God is what sanctifies us and cleanses us and washes us. Let me just ask you the question, how often do you bathe? Thank you, every day. Why? Uh, not, again, not a trick question. To be clean, to be cleansed, correct? You don't want to stink. It feels good. Same way with the water of the Word of God. It washes us, it cleanses us. We look in the mirror and recognize, man, I'm falling short. Spiritually, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I got some areas that, and what do we do? We get into the Word of God and we confess and, 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 and repent of those things and God washes us and cleanses us. It's a beautiful work that he does through his Word. In fact, he's reminding the church, he's reminding me and he's reminding you this morning, the word of God works effectively in you who believe. Either you believe it or you don't, or you believe some of it. We practice what we believe. Here, here's the deal. We practice what we believe, the rest we pay lip service to. Really, that's the, the reality of it. If we want the word of God to work power, that's what effectively means, powerfully in our lives, we say, Lord, I believe it. I trust you, I'll walk in this. And what begins to happen? You guys have experienced it, haven't you, in your own lives? You begin to apply God's word in your marriage. Marriage starts to work. Friendships start to work. Work starts to work. Life starts to work. Not that there's not difficulty. Not that it's not hard. But life begins to work because why? You're doing it God's way. And he is the expert in how many things? Some things? All things. Jesus said, this is a long time in one verse. It's okay. John 8, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 119, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 28, my soul melts with heaviness. Man, I'm going through a difficult situation. Heaviness, strengthen me according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And I want to I end on Jeremiah, and we'll get, after, we'll get finished verse 13. This is the uh, theme verse for our radio program every week. Please be praying for that. God's really using our radio program. Jeremiah 29. Check this out. No, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, 29. The context is a bunch of false prophets in Israel. A bunch of telling lies. They were telling lies. They were deceiving. Just like today, just like Paul speaking to Timothy, imposters, deceivers, phony balonies. 
prophets saying, I got a dream. I got a, I got a dream, man. I got to share this with you. Here's what God told me to tell you. Listen, if someone's saying that to you, God's not going to leave you out of the equation. He's got your phone number, by the way. Some of you will get that later. It's totally cool. Here's what God says to Jeremiah. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Do you guys have God's word? Do you guys have God's word? In your hands? In your heart? God says, speak it faithfully. Speak it faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? The chaff is the husk. The, 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 the wheat is the meat. That's what's, that's what's nourishing. There's plenty of pastors out there in, in churches that give you the chaff, the husk. But we need the wheat. That's what nourishes us. And he says, check out what he says. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Isn't that the way God's word works? Sometimes it warms us up, doesn't it? Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm feeling bummed. Lord, you just warmed me up. Thank you. That's what fire does, doesn't it? It also burns away the junk, burns the chaff. And doesn't that happen? We're going through the word of God, and the Lord reveals something in our hearts, and it's like, okay, Lord, burn that away. Remove that from my life. I'm hearing you loud and clear. Your word is like a fire, and it is just burning the junk out of my life. Thank you for doing that work. And isn't the word also like a hammer? Do you guys ever feel like that? you guys ever feel like that? It's like... But do, do, our hearts get hard. There's hard areas in our hearts that need to be broken. Don't we need brokenness? God can't use it because if we're not broken, we're full of what? We're full of pride. And so the Lord has to break up that hardness in our hearts, the callousness the hard soil so, so that his word as a seed can get in and bear fruit upwardly. That's why we need the word of God, gang. It's straight from his heart to our heart, and he loves us and cares about us. And so Paul comes, he's faithful to share. They receive, they welcome it. And what begins to happen? It's working effectively in their lives. I think that's beautiful. Jesus said, wisdom is justified by her children. God's wisdom is seen in his obedient kiddos. Well, something else happened when Paul and the gang came and left after they received the word of God. Look at verse 14 with me. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. And so Paul reminds them, listen, you became an imitator you have followed the pattern of the churches of God in Judea. Judea. When we hear Judea, someone asked me after first service, um, what is Judea? It's another name for Israel. It's speaking of the Jews. And so the church began in Jerusalem, by the way. You guys know that, right? You guys, correct? The church began in Jerusalem. And then what happened? When the church began in Jerusalem, it was... Christians from a Jewish background, they got saved, they got born again, persecution came, correct? Some people left and went, but persecution kind of got the salt out of the shaker, so to speak, were to be the salt of the earth, got the, got the Christians moving out of that territory, and they began to plant churches, began to minister, and began to travel around and, and do different works for the Lord, so the early church began in Judea, and Paul is saying, you became an imitator, just like the church there, of God in Christ. And by the way, there is no church that's not in Christ, Jesus. It's his church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
And so how do they become imitators of the church in Judea? Oh, God was doing an awesome work. Specifically, what happened? How do they become imitators? They suffered persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. Is that supposed to happen to believers? Or is everything going to be rainbows and unicorns? Is persecution a reality? Uh, personally, I, per, this is my own personal opinion. This is not taken to the bank type stuff. I think it's going to get worse in the United States. Personally. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, all, listen, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire to live godly. Is that us? Yeah. How about that prom- Like that promise? Will suffer persecution. No. But Jesus said, if, it's gonna hap- if it happens to me, if it's happened to me, it's going to happen to you. Blessed are you when you're, pu- when you're persecuted for my name's sake. The early church, when they were beaten for the name of Jesus, they were high-fiving each other. That they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. And we're such a uh, suffering avoidance culture. <laughs> anyway, we can kind of, right, self-preservation, but the reality is, if we're not facing any persecution, any heat, any harassment, any hassling, I should take a step back and say, am I really living godly in Christ Jesus right now? Am I really living for him? Because sometimes you can be around people and you're just smiling and full of joy and they're like, get that Jesus smile off your face, Mike. <laughs> With family members sometimes. All right, let Holy Mike say the prayer. (laughs) Come on. But he says, listen, look at the next verse. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just like the churches in Judea, just as they did from the Judeans. I think there's an important point here. They willingly suffered believing God's word is God's word and not the word of man. Did you guys catch that? They willingly suffered believing God's word is God's word and not the word of man. And that's what happens. You trust and obey, you walk in those things, and what happens? There's going to be some heat, there's going to be some harassing, there's going to be some persecution that's going to roll our way. And he says, listen, you are not alone in your suffering. You're not alone. And listen, by the way, we know nothing of what our brothers and sisters are facing around the world right now. I got a, when you get a uh, WhatsApp message, WhatsApp message, that was called? I got a WhatsApp message from the the Burmese church that I've been ministering to in Burma. And the two of the churches got bombed by the government. One of the elders, one of the el- he said to me, one of the elders and his wife were killed and left a suckling baby. And two children were killed. Some of the pastors and missionaries and ministers that we support as a family here, their li- listen, their lives are on the line every single day. They don't know whether they're going to survive or not, and they are full of J-O-Y in Jesus because for, for them, for to me, as Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The best is yet to come when I pass through the veil into eternity. My dreams, my plans all begin when I pass into eternity to go to the place that, the, that Jesus is preparing for me in the Father's house. My dreams and aspirations aren't wrapped up here. I mean, I want to see God do awesome stuff, but the best is yet to come for those who are trusting in Jesus Christ. Paul says about the Judeans, the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. I don't have time to go over the verses, but you can go back and look at Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and 7. Peter and Stephen and the other apostles, every time they had the opportunity to crucify Jesus, 
but God raised him on the third day. You killed, you killed the Lord of glory, but God raised him from the dead. Over and over, it's interesting, over and over and over. But listen this morning, it wasn't just the Jews that killed Jesus. It was the Romans, the Gentiles, the Gentile Romans that killed Jesus. It was you and I that killed Jesus. He died for our sins and our transgressions. He was punished for us, for our iniquities. The Lord laid on him the iniquities of us all. And yet he loved us so much that he was willing to do that. By this we know love, that he gave his life for us, to rescue us, to save us. And Paul is reminding the church here, listen to what happened. Those religious, those religious people killed the Lord of glory. And Paul knew he was a religious monster, wasn't he? Before he got saved. He knew all about persecution. He knew all about persecuting the church. And he's like, man, they, just like they persecuted the prophets and killed the prophets, Jesus said, if you're taking notes, Matthew 23, i got to read this. Matthew 23, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Did y'all catch that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him shall never perish, but have everlasting life. God did everything he could, and he does everything he can to reach people. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet to Israel to get a hold of their hearts, speaking in various ways, different ways, different times, different methods. God spoke to the forefathers through the prophets, and what did they do? They killed them. They killed them. And Paul says here to the church, and they're persecuting us, and they think that they are pleasing God by doing this. They think they're making God happy. In fact, Jesus said, listen to this, in John chapter uh, 16, Verse 1, he said, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble so you don't get tripped up. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming, check this out, that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Wow. Think about all the things done People attributing it to God. And what does Jesus say? If you're killing Christians, you don't know God, you don't know the Father, and you don't know the Son. You have no relationship. And he says here, back in 1 Thessalonians, they do not please God and are contrary, or they're in opposition to all men. Why are they in opposition to all men? Why, why are the, the, the Jewish religious zealots, or listen, any religious zealot, any religious person, why are they contrary or in opposition to all men? Well, let's read the next verse. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. They were keeping people from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ keeping people from coming to Jesus. Are, are you with me still this morning? God will judge, listen, God will judge those who persecute you. God will judge them. It's not our job to judge them. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So if your enemy's hungry, what do you do? Here's a Whataburger combo, right, bro? Just making sure you're still with me. <laughs> your enemy's thirsty. Here's some agua. In doing so, you'll heap hot coals on their head. So I get to burn them. Oh, 
I get to, yeah, some fire on the, Oh, yeah, I knew. No. When you love your enemies, when you do good to those who spitefully use you, when you go the extra mile, when you turn the cheek, what happens? It brings the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You guys ever been convicted by the Holy Spirit and you start to get nugget? God will not only judge those that persecute you, God will judge those who rip off people spiritually. Not just financially. But those people that rip off people spiritually, God's going to deal with them. Keeping, listen, keeping someone from coming to Jesus is a big, big no-no. Big no-no. In fact, remember the disciples did that? In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, Mark's account of this episode. Remember the mommies were bringing their babies to Jesus? You guys remember that? This is Mark 10, 13. Then they brought little children to him. Why? That he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Can you imagine? You're a mom and you're bringing Junior. Oh, Jesus is here. Come on. He, he's waiting over there. He's chilling out, right? He's on that rock. And let's go ask the Lord to bless our kid. Let's have a baby dedication. And so here come all these moms, right? And what are the... Disciples, the, these, listen, these are the A apostles, not the BCD apostles. This is varsity team doing this. And what do they do? Get out of here, moms. Nope, doesn't have time for you. That's what's happening. Get out of here. He's too busy for you. He doesn't do baby dedications. <laughs> and it's interesting what it says there. Next verse. But when Jesus saw it, he was really stoked that they did that. Is that what it says? Is it up on the board? When Jesus saw that, he was greatly displeased. It said, and if you've if you got a King Jimmy Bible, it says he was indignant. You know what that means? He was mad, angry. It does not please Jesus when you keep people from him, from coming to him. In fact, Jesus said himself, either you're gathering with me or you're scattering. We want to be those that gather with Jesus. And so as we finish this, I'm out of time. I knew it. We got through four verses, yeah, three. Paul's like, they forbid us to speak to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, that they may be saved. So, as always, to fill up the measure of their sins. So, there's a measure going on. God's, listen, God is keeping track. He's keeping score. In heaven... There's a measurement going on. And for those that are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a tally going on, not just for sins of omission and commission, but mistreating Christians and keeping people from coming to him. There's this tally. There's a score that's, that's amassing in heaven. And he says, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. In other words, wrath is coming. Because of that. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning going, I have never really come to know Jesus personally. Is there a record? Is there a record in heaven on me? There sure is. And that record today can be completely expunged. You can be forgiven, all your sins forgiven, forgotten, gone forever when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
In fact, when we take communion, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, and we celebrate the new covenant in his blood. And part of the new covenant is God said it, not me. God said it. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That record in heaven, gone. Why? How do we get off scot-free? How, how do we escape the wrath? How do we escape judgment? How do we escape punishment? Why? Why does that happen? Because when Jesus hung on the cross, we celebrate this week, don't we? Remember, today was the day he came cruising in on the donkey, right? Isn't today Palm Sunday? Comes down. What's everybody saying? We sang it, didn't we? Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is our king. Hallelujah. He's going to save us from the Romans. He's going to fill our bellies with bread. What happened a few days later? What were they, what were they screaming? We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him. Crucify him. For what? For being too loving? Too miracle working? Too kind, too gentle, too lowly in heart? Too merciful, too gracious? Listen, why do, why, why do, why do we get... Why are we persecuted as Christians? Shouldn't people have pity on us? You fools, you fall, you, there's no God. Why do people get ticked off at us? You ever thought about that? Why, why are we getting the heat? Why are we getting persecuted? It's because you and I are the light of the world and our light exposes darkness. And when Jesus came, the light of the world, he exposed the darkness of human hearts. Men, men are so fickle, so selfish, aren't we? Self-absorbed, self-consumed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is our king. A few days later, crucify him. Caesar is our king. Why? Because they didn't get their way. He didn't come to do their will. He came to do the Father's will. To give his life. Scourged and then nailed to a cross bearing your sins and my sins. Naked in front of him, mocked and shamed. And as he hung there saying, Father, forgive them. Can you imagine so when we're persecuted, how do we respond? Yeah, we give them their we give them their food, we give them their water, we share the love of Jesus with them. How can I do that? Because the very one that did that on the cross is living in you and living in me, enabling us to do that. And then lights go out. My God, my God, Dad, where are you? Dad, where are you? All alone so that you and I would never have what, what should we fear then? God is my helper. I'm good. Bring it, man. You want to turn up the heat? Jesus, you said it's going to happen. You're with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Don't ever forget, he took the wrath for you and I that we would not face the Father's wrath. And we rejoice this morning in so great a Savior, so great a salvation. And we get to cheer on those that are taking that step of faith, that are identifying with Jesus, that are saying, yeah, I want, I want y'all, all y'all to know, that's plural of y'all, I want y'all to know that I'm following Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you're doing, all that you've yet to do, Lord Jesus. 
What else can we say this morning but thank you? God, I pray for those here this morning that, oh, they heard, but they didn't really hear. Time expires for them. That you would be merciful upon their souls, Lord. God, I pray for those that are going through suffering right now because of persecution, not only in this church, but our family around the world. God, please give them strength. Give them boldness. God, I pray for those that have come this morning that have heard from you, they were expecting to hear from you, and now as they believe that they would experience a mighty work of your spirit, for you said that your word works effectively, powerfully in those who believe that we would experience your supernatural work in our lives, that we would bring you glory. You get all the credit, Lord. And this morning, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, as we finish up here, maybe you've been listening and you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. Jesus loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. He suffered, died, and was buried and rose again on the third day. And he's reaching out to you right now. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that you this morning? You're saying, yeah, Mike, that's me. I want to be forgiven. I want a fresh start, the hope of eternal life. You come just as you are to receive Jesus, to believe on his name. If that's you, I would love to pray with you right now. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, can I pray for you right now? Would you raise up your hand? It's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. I'd love to pray for you right now. Raise up that hand. God bless you guys. I see your hands. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. I see your hand over here. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I don't want to stop if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. For those that have raised their hands this morning, you can repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me? and cleanse me and make me new. You promised you would. Would you fill me with your spirit? I don't want to go back to those sins anymore. I surrender to you. I love you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for those that have raised their hands this morning and in heaven as well. Thank you for rescuing us, saving us, giving us life. Best of all, to walk with you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for first loving us. And it's in your name, your precious and your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray And all God's people said, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Awesome. For those that have raised their hands this morning, we have some folks in the back of the room that will have uh, Bibles for you, and they want to pray with you and help you get rolling in your walk, your journey with Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together for one last song.
to sing the song of ages to the land and all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the land your name is the Thank you, Jesus, for our time of worship, our time in your word. And Lord, we thank you for how you change hearts, how you change lives. Lord, I thank you for those that um, responded this morning, Lord, surrendering their lives to you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would do a great work in them. 
that you would demonstrate your presence in their lives in a special way, Lord. And for those that, that know you this morning, Lord, that as we choose to walk in obedience to your word, Lord, that we would experience your power and recognize that your word does work effectively in those who believe, Lord. So I pray that you would help us to walk in the things that we were taught this morning and that you would bless our time of fellowship now, Lord, in the baptism and the food, Lord. May it be a sweet time, knitting hearts closer together, Lord, being made into your image, Jesus, and being made into one family, one body of believers. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you for this day. We give you thanks. We give you glory. In Jesus' name.